superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. What happened today, Alan? Absolute thunderbolt. This is The Rich Eisen Show. The Live Tour just merged with the PGA Tour. It stinks. Live from the Rich Eisen Show studio in Los Angeles. Are we serious? The Live Tour and the PGA Tour are merging. How in the hell does that work? Earlier on the show, CNBC journalist David Farber. Coming up, Pro Football Hall of Famer Terrell Davis. Actor Patty Considine. Host of NBC's America's Got Talent, Terry Crews. And now... It's Rich Eisen. Hour number two of the Rich Eisen Show is on the air. We just had a a wild first hour talking about the day after the Live Tour and the PGA Tour combining forces in a way that we never thought would be possible. The uh, reporter from CNBC, David Faber, who broke that story, uh, joined us in hour number one, and um, we had quite the chat. Uh, The king of uh, House of the Dragon... King Viserys um, himself, Patty Considine, the actor, um, is in studio. And we'll be chatting with him coming up. Terry Crews is in studio in hour number three. Uh, but let's kick off hour number two in style, okay? Let's just, let's just, you know, let's just say you're, you're a pro football Hall of Famer, okay? Oh, thank yeah. you. Uh, and you represent a town because you are not only a pro football Hall of Famer, but the way you played for this town not only uh, elevated you to Pro Football Hall of Fame status, but you're also a terrific member of the community. So you're, you're out and about, and you're, you're face of the city that's now on full display for the whole world to see uh, if you're in the stands of, say, an NBA Finals game. Let me just choose one, two. Mm. Okay. And your team is not performing well. You have to maintain some sort of poise because um, you might be on camera. You're a public figure. You're a pro football Hall of Famer, right? Mm-hmm. Let's just say you're that individual. And two people from the visiting team, that is, what's the word for it? Curb stomping your team <laughs> out of the blue. Uh, starts chirping from what it appears in your ear. How do you handle it? Chris, how would you handle it? Uh... Let me answer it for you. Not as well as Terrell Davis, <laughs> yeah. who joins us here on the Rich Eisen Show. How are you doing, TD? How are you? Uh, <laughs> hey, you, you set that up well, Rich. Thank you, that sir. Was nice. Uh, that was that was set up well. But what you didn't see? Okay. You saw you saw the two, uh, you know, ladies on the the left of me. Yes. Um, screen right. Yes. And there was a gentleman on the opposite side. I was next to my wife, and then next to my wife was another Heat fan, and his wife. And so every time that the Heat would make, I mean, a simple basket, they would high-five across my face, <laughs> my wife's face. And, it, and this you. went on from, from the first quarter all the way till, you know, obviously where the Heat started to pull away. And so I was, and so that look on my face, I didn't even know it. I, mean, I, I, I was just asking myself, like, how did I, how did I end up at a Nuggets game sitting behind the Heat's bench, mm. sandwiched between Heat fans, mm. And, you know, being in, in the middle of their celebration. And so when you, when you look at me, you see that kind of like, I'm kind of puzzled look. Uh, some people think I was sleeping, but I was, I, I, I had had enough of the uh, <laughs> yeah. So um, who, do we know who these people were? Did you get to meet them? Did you at least say at some point, you know, um, I'm, I'm fine with Reggie White invading my personal <laughs> space, but not you folks. Like, is that fine? 
What do you got? No. Well, well, yeah. Well, I met them when I first sat down. Okay. You know, they were, and you know, they. So I took pictures with them and stuff like oh. that. But they were cool. They were cool people. You know, but you know, they, the, the, the guy to the to the uh, I guess the the right of us was uh, consuming quite a bit of alcohol pretty early <laughs> in the game. So I don't know if he uh, <laughs> if he was going to do anything differently than what he did. But it, it wasn't mean. It wasn't. They weren't being mean. It was. They were just okay. celebrating and having a good time and. We just happen to be happen to be caught, caught right, you know, caught right in the middle of it. Okay, game five. Are we better? Are we, we going to have better seats for game five? That is currently that is, necessary. That, yeah, doing? I hope, man. That's the plan. <laughs> You're right behind. But by the way, Kevin Love is right in front of you. I mean, that is. Did, were you? Was your view obstructed? Not just by the high fivers across your personal space. Yeah, Davis? it was. I, I didn't even look at the seats. Uh, my wife got the. T- you know, we got the tickets, and so we went to the game. And- mm-hmm. I didn't realize until we 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 had you know we got to our seats and sat down. We were you know we were literally behind, literally right behind the heat bench and so close you can hear Eric Spolstra talking and, and I, mean, I can hear the game plan and Ooh. all the players coming off the court and what they were saying and, and uh, the the things they were talking about. But uh, yeah, uh, we realized pretty early that these seats were not the greatest seats in the world, and so. Um, <laughs> A lot of a lot of most of I think some of the the second quarter, I had went back into the line into the uh, they have a club there. Look, you know, so we had went back into the club and just started you know having a few drinks and stayed <laughs> back there for the for the most part. And then we came out like, listen, if we're gonna come to the game, we might as well go, you know, experience the the environment. And I just yeah. sit in the, back in the club seat. So okay. Good for you. Terrell Davis here on the Rich Eisen Show. So you're so close, I'm mandated to ask, is there any similarity between an NBA huddle and an NFL huddle? Anything that you notice? You know what it is. You know what it is. It's just recognizing before that game, I remember looking at some of the players, Mm -hmm. and you're always trying to read your team and how, you know, especially before a big game. And I do remember sitting there looking at the Heat, the, um, you know, the Heat players, and thinking these guys look ready to play, just by you know the, just the nonverbals we say, just the way they look, uh, the intensity in their eyes, they kind of have this um, collective. We're gonna show the world look, mm-hmm. and um, and they came out and play like it. So you know, as the players, you're always trying to look at teammates, and even before the big game, you know, is everybody is everybody ready to play, and. Um, you know, I used to do that when I played with the Broncos, like looking around, and then you, you feel either good about it, yep, or, or you don't. And um, <laughs> I thought that the Heat were ready to play before that game. So, what did you pick anything up on Spolstra, like his style, or Butler talking to him, or his style? I mean, did you pick anything up being that close? I'm serious. This is fun. Uh, in, no, inside. no, dead serious. What I noticed is that he has a, a pretty even keel about him. He's he's not yeah. up and down, uh-huh. and and. Um, I am. I'm. In, I love coaches like that, who it's not screaming and shouting when things go wrong, and then celebrating when things go good. Mm-hmm. It's like it reminds me a little bit of, of of Mike Shanahan, where he just, even though Mike has a little bit more intense look on his face, and people think that Mike is always screaming, uh, he's not. And that's what you know, Coach Spoelstra uh, was just really, really just calm, and everything he he um, he talked about was just. You, you, I mean, you could tell that he's got a really good handle on that team and a good pulse for, for the players and how they're coming in, um, you know, making different moves. I think Kevin Love started that game, which was kind of a surprise to a lot of people. But, no, man, it was good. It was good. It, I mean, I wasn't sitting there taking notes. But no, I love it. I'm just, I'm just telling you just kind of from what my, uh, my initial reaction was from that moment. It was like, man, this is interesting. Um, I see why people kind of sit close to the bench. I would think Spolstra reminds you of Shanahan because that raging tan. Maybe that's what it is, too. <laughs> that, too. It is quite nice. That's oh, South Beach. But, well, I mean, it's South Beach, right? Shanahan, I don't know what that is. He, Shanahan yeah, doesn't that. fake. Mike doesn't fake bake, right? I mean, he doesn't do that, right? No, no? of course not. Okay. <laughs> of course It would be the Rocky Mountain sun. Uh, what are, what's your take on the Broncos? I have no idea what the hell they're going to look like. What are they going to look like, TD, this year? What do you got? I feel really good. I had... Spent um, some time with Sean Payton um, about three weeks ago at the facility. Yep. And you can already see it, man. He's already put his fingerprint on the franchise. Like, you can you can feel there's a different vibe. Um, again, I go back to Mike because Mike was the greatest coach I had ever played for. Mm-hmm. And anytime I see anybody who is taking pieces that resembles what Mike Shanahan has done, it, it, it speaks to me. Um, 
And so Sean Payton has come in there. He's, he's already sort of changed the culture. You don't hear anything come out, out of Broncos camp, right? You don't hear anything. Like, he's, he's locked it down. Um, and his first message when he first got here was, hey, guys, let's, let's, we want a bunch of anonymous donors. And that made sense. Like, you don't need to show the world what you're doing. You don't need to post everything. You don't need to, you know, brag about lifting weights or training, anything like that. Just do it behind closed doors where no one's watching you. And then we'll show the world what you've been doing. And I love that. I love that message that he sent to the to the team, and they're doing that. Um, he's not he's not coming in trying to win the press conferences. He's not trying to win the uh, fans over with a lot of talk. It is is just going to work. And I feel like this is it's, the reset is awesome. And 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 then we'll see in the fall what that looks like. But I think it's gonna it's gonna turn not a, not only this team into um, a team that's that's you know stabilized, but Am I saying Super Bowl? No, I'm not saying that. But I think they'll be a contender um, and, and, a, and a good challenger in year one. Well, I mean, look, and this is not a slight on Nathaniel Hackett, uh, TD, but last year the whole conversation coming in and throughout is the question is, is Hackett cut out for this, right? Can he hack it, right? And, right. and, having, and having Sean Payton there, removes that 1,000 it's not even a thought of even twitching in that direction of of having a thought right the question is though sorry go ahead I mean no because what you said is it's it's so yeah of course we were excited last year with uh, Nathaniel Hackett and I think every year you try to say what what coach is right for the situation last year I think the exciting coach was was appropriate you you know the franchise had been struggling um the the previous year yeah uh, with Fangio, uh, J- uh, Vance Joseph. And so to bring in an, an exciting coach in, I think that was appropriate for that time because everybody was kind of down on the Broncos. And and so I'm, I'm not knocking that move, but I think now that you've been through three first-time head coaches, the right move is, is an experienced coach who knows what it looks like. Not, not a coach who thinks he knows what it looks like, but a coach who knows what it feels like, who understands the nuances of the difference between – you know, things that you think and things you know. And Sean, even all the years he spent in New Orleans, he had a laundry list of things that he would do differently. And so that's coming off experience, and that's what the Broncos needed was somebody who can reset the team to just an experienced coach. Um, by the way, he was really good with quarterbacks. Um, we've seen what they did with Teddy Bridgewater, obviously Drew Brees, um, Taysom Hill. And so I, I, I think all of that is starting to is starting to materialize, and we'll we'll see the product in the fall. But man, I, I I'm excited about it because it's not a lot of just talk; um, it's a lot of substance, and that's what gets me pretty excited about this season. Well, and the reason why I brought up you know the 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 fact that Peyton's got a sterling reputation coming in as a Super Bowl winning head coach, right? And he's coming in knowing what he's what he knows, and that was a huge question last year. The coach reason why I bring that up is, is the Russell Wilson part of it. And, you know, and I'm not asking this question facetiously, but I'll ask you when you were walking around the facility, does Russ still have that second floor office or is that gone? Best you can tell. Yeah. Best I can tell. I don't know if it's there. I think it's gone. Okay. Uh, I can't confirm that. (laughs) No, I hear you. But the reason why I asked that is just, again, like things are maybe going to be different this year just from that point that that aspect of the locker room and and russ having an opportunity to have a guy with a ring you know um and a and a sterling as i mentioned reputation as a quarterback guy um how is that going to work in your estimation yeah td you know it's 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 i think it's um interesting that all of all of those things were happening you know where russ had his own uh, office, you know, he had his own kind of quarterback coach mm-hmm. at practice, and no one really said anything until things got bad, and then it was, became, oh, you know, all of these things became a problem. Yep. With with uh, you know with Russ, and it's like, well, that's we all were going to try to point fingers to, to all that you know being the problem. I don't believe that was like the single reason things didn't go well. But it's easy to point to that when things don't go well. And we always say that, like, hey, you can have privileges, but if you're not winning, then those privileges, they they get taken away. And so, um, 
I, I, I just think the other thing that it, it could have done, and I don't know this, and I'm just speculating, as a player, you like to see all players be treated, and there's never going to be an even you know, treatment of players. You know the best players get treated differently. Mm-hmm. But it is striking when you, if, if you're a five in the locker and let's say John Elway comes in and John has an, has an office upstairs, and, you know, it, it kind of sets that, hey, listen, there's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a tier here, and I'm sort of above the team, you know. And I've always told in sports that we're all the same, right? We're all, even though we have different roles, we all have important roles that, that uh, are important for the success of the team. And I know, you know, playing with John and Shannon and Steve Atwater, I, I just I, I saw these guys and I, I watched them and they were, they were just team guys. And they didn't want anything different. The treatment was all the same. John didn't wear a red jersey at practice. Um, you know, John wasn't taking different transportations to a game. He wasn't doing anything different. He was one of the team, one of the, the guys on the team. But I think that, that was part of what endeared a lot of players to John Elway. And so when I saw that, then, of course, I tried to model that. So when anybody came in and saw TD, they didn't feel like, oh, well, TD thinks he's better. So it's just things like that where you can keep everybody mm-hmm. feeling like they're all – kind of the, the same level, even though we know the, you have your superstar players. I think that's the important part of having a real good team. I appreciate it. No, absolutely. Especially when they had an actual spatial arrangement where that he was literally <laughs> above the team on the second floor. Like, you know what I mean? It, it, yeah. it does. So tell me uh, quickly about Defy. Uh, you won an, your Defy, the official CBD beverage of Spartan U.S. You won awards, huh? You got some awards yeah. here? Yeah. Yeah, TV? man. Yeah. You? Like you, Rick. You over there winning mm. all those awards. No, I got nominated for them. You actually win them, so good yeah, for you. Well, yeah, we, we won a couple of awards. We won Best CBD Drink. Uh, then we won Best uh, Low to No Sugar Drink uh, out of about a 15-category um, contest. And uh, it was pretty impressive because we only entered into three of those categories, and we won two of those. So it was, uh, it was pretty good. Pretty good for company all right well uh td congratulations on that everybody check out uh defy uh which is terrell davis's award-winning drink the official cbd beverage of spartan u.s call marshall to call stan Kroenke and get you tickets behind the nuggets bench please come on now (laughs) i'm on it man i'm on it get on it get on it uh love you td take care you be well likewise brother nice to hear from you terrell davis same here to at terrell underscore davis right here on the rich eisen show let's take a break and bring in the king all hell all rise the King himself is here on the Rich Eisen Show. King Viserys Targaryen of House of the Dragon, Patty Considine, coming up. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Patty Considine here on the Rich Eisen Show. House of the Dragon is available on Max, which is available on Roku. And the man who plays King Viserys is here. I mean, uh, what do you what do you think of when you watch yourself back as the king? Oh, Patty. God. I mean, I don't really like to watch myself acting. So I look at that particular clip then and go, why are you doing all that whispery acting stuff? <laughs> <laughs> well, it, the- it seemed like a good choice at the time. Right. But no, it's it's. I can't help be, but be critical of it. So it's quite awkward. But well, I mean, meeting you in person, I was keen to know what you would look like in person because, you know, yeah. I've I've known your work, but the most recent work, I, I've I've watched this show like, you know, the rest of the world. And just to see you here in a 
in like as a human being, it's it's a little jarring. I'm not going to lie. You know, I'm not looking young and without the sort of David Lee Roth hairdo and the leather and exactly. How long did you have to? How long were you? Would you sit for this role before you had to even get on set? Well, the the kind of main look, the sort of earlier look for me that mm-hmm. that wasn't too bad i think we got that down to about an hour and a half or something you know it was just mainly getting that wig on right which is the actual selection of the wig is more complicated than it seems you know because they have to match the wig to your skin tone mm-hmm. i thought they just nipped a party city and buy a wig and plonk it on your head you know <laughs> but it's very intricate this right and but further on through the show as he gets sort of uh sicker those makeups were Around the four-hour mark, I thought it was longer, but I spoke to the makeup the other day, and I think we got it down to about three and a half, four hours in the end. Well, that's what leprosy will do, I yeah. guess. You know, and we're looking at a shot on the screen right here. There and I'm you like, go. My goodness gracious! And then, of course, just I, I would imagine um, uh, just hearing about the role and being able to do it, knowing what game of thrones was yeah uh what did what did were you a little concerned about being part of the next iteration or were you all over this thing i was kind of all over it it was it was weird how it happened because we'd been in the lockdowns and we were all watching a lot of television during that time and i hadn't i'd put off watching game of thrones and we'd started watching it in the lockdowns and about three seasons in and i got the call because things were opening up and moving on again and my agent called and said, you know, are you a fan of Game of Thrones? And I was like, well, that's, you know, kind of weird coincidence because we've been watching it. Mm-hmm. And um, they said, oh, they're making a prequel to it set so many years before it, and they want you to play the king. And I was like, right, okay. And <laughs> so my first real reaction was elation because yes. I thought this would be, I'd be honoured to do it. And then I just went, oh, I hope it's not one of them where I get the script and he's in about three scenes and, you know, he's, he's stood in the background. You know, I've, I've been offered stuff in the past with some really great directors, but I'm literally an extra with a spear in my hand. And I went, I hope it's not one of those. And when I started reading it and read the first three episodes, I saw in the episode one alone, he goes through an awful lot. And yes. I saw that there was this great arc. And so then my next question was, well, who's turned it down? You know, who, who said no to this? <laughs> come on. <laughs> right. Uh-huh. And they were like, no, no, they've just come straight to you. You know, you, you, they want you to play it. So I was like, right. And I was a fan of the show. I, I, I thought it was uh, a brilliant show with so many fantastic performances in it. And I, honestly, I can say hand on heart that yes. when I read it, I, I, I thought that it was going to be good. And I remember having conversations on set with Matt Smith even and saying, you know, I think this is going to be good. Yeah. I think we're, we're making a good show. So, um, all in. Yeah, it was all in. Yeah. Uh, so, so you first got to Game of Thrones only in the pandemic. Only in the you, pandemic. You were not part of the, the week in, week out, waiting then a year and a half for the next. No. Year. So, you got to binge watch this. Yeah, thing. it completely passed me by. Completely. I mean, uh, I do that with a lot of things. I brought the first series on a box set and it stayed in the cellophane. A box set. <laughs> a box set. I haven't heard that re- phrase re- in a Remember while. those? Of course, yes. In cellophane, I remember that too. Sure, yeah. of course. And it's just one of those things, you know, struggling for things to watch. Right. And, you know, and I was, I'm like that with everything. Even with Breaking Bad, it, there was, I think, three seasons of yes. that had gone by. And, you know, people saying, watch it, you'll love it. And I'm going, yeah, all right, yeah, I'll get around to it. And then I just couldn't stop watching it. I watched Breaking Bad both ways. I watched it originally by myself week to week as it was coming out. Yeah. My, my, my wife watched the pilot of it, was completely turned off by Walter White and who he was bec- maybe becoming. And just yeah. she wasn't sold on it. And then about a year and a half in, I told her, I'm like, that's it. You you have to catch up. Yeah. And so then I started binge watching it again. And then Game of Thrones was just that same way for, for her and I too. I Because I, she's not into Dungeons and Dragons and things like that. Yeah. And so then I, I then watched it from, from, you know, week to week. And then I told her, I'm like, you, that's it. You've got you've to get in on this. And the reason why I bring this up is binge watching Game of Thrones 
can warp your head, man. I mean, like, yeah, you, it can. Like, you just go one after another after another, and like suddenly you're walking out and about in society, and you think somebody's going to swing an axe at yeah, you. Yeah, what's and going? Put your head on a pike. <laughs> Nobody's you know? safe. Nothing's safe. I thought I don't actually. I say binge watch it. We right. we watch two episodes okay. a, a night. Because I remember, like in the days of, do you remember Twenty Four? Those days, the good sure. old days. Of course, yeah, yeah. <laughs> where Jack Bauer had uh, yeah. cell reception, no matter where he went. Absolutely, yeah, the right. best yeah. best service provider yeah. that there is exactly going. Right. And but I remember, like we'd watch that, and we'd sometimes watch four, and on the fourth one, you were literally, you know, nodding off to sleep, and you're going. <laughs> This ain't fair. This is nothing to do with Jack Bauer. We're just really tired, and yeah, we shouldn't right. have put that fourth episode. Yeah, exactly on. <laughs> right. Yeah. No. I'm same way. Uh, we 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 would watch, binge watch a couple of seasons of Twenty Four also, and then all of a sudden, when we turn it off, we would be screaming at each other. We're running out of time. We have no idea why. <laughs> it's exactly right. Uh, I've got uh, Patty Considine here, who plays King Viserys here. Uh, on the Rich Eisen show from House of the Dragon, and then just uh, what was your reaction to the reaction of this show? Yeah, it was it was quite interesting because at first, you know, I I don't think people could fully frame my character yes properly. You know, because um, you're the great great grandfather of the mother of dragons, or you the, there might be a few more greats in front uh, of that. There might be a few more of that. Okay, yeah, a right. few more. I've been told that. You okay, know, I, I I was told once the amount of greats, but I've forgotten nice. it. But there's a few, right? <laughs> but you're the direct dis- uh, descendant. Uh, she's yeah, a that's right. She's a descendant. Okay, yeah, yeah. Right. I loved all that. I loved it. Um, even my hair, which which was really expensive, you know, mm. had tones of Daenerys's palette in it yes. in my hair. And yes. Even little details like that for me. I know it's geeky, but I really like that. Right. You know, there were those little links into the, to the oh, original show. You know, absolutely. And Matt Smith does resemble, in a way, you know, her brother from the yes. original Game of Thrones, who, yeah. spoiler alert, although I guess we're, we're years removed, yeah. he doesn't last very long. He gets crowned in that as well. Yeah. So but he, I, he looks just like him. Like, he, obviously. He does. I mean, I was quite worried about the look, and I was trying to get out. It's a very distinct thing, the Targaryen look. Yes. And I was trying to get out of it a little mm-hmm. bit and I was saying well what if this guy's got short hair and you know we can probably dye my and I look more right. like Lee Marvin and you can <laughs> I'm not I, you can you know I'm all this, and they, right. they just weren't going for it at mm-hmm. all and I thought my fear was that I looked utterly ridiculous in the wig you know I looked like some terrible sort of 80s you know, LA rock. You're rock sure, band. yeah, like you're a white snake. <laughs> and I'm not saying I didn't look ridiculous in the week. No, but you did. You look when great. you've got everything on, it all fits. Hey, man. Like, again, for me, you know, when you're in a show like this, coming off of a show that's as iconic as Game of Thrones, there's going to be a whole bunch of people out there and go, that's not, that's not the real thing. That's not the real thing. That yeah. doesn't feel like the real thing. There's a lot of particular people out there. And, you, you know, House of the Dragon ticked every box. Yeah, it every did. Every box. It Certainly did. when the dragons are all over the place, too. Oh, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I never got to ride a dragon, unfortunately. I know. Which was, uh, I was a bit disappointed about. You wanted to hop on it. <laughs> I did, really, yeah. And then I realized, you know, when I saw that it, there were just days sitting up on this saddle, you know. Is that, it, what, is that how it's done? Yeah, yeah. And they couldn't get down for toilet breaks and things like that. What? I was like, oh, actually, I, I dodged a bullet there, I think. <laughs> so they have to sit up there and just stay up there. Yeah, and do all that sort of, you know, flying business. I and, love that. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> Patty Considine here on the Rich Eisen Show. All right, let's get into your, your career. You were, you're, so you're a boxing enthusiast, correct? You yeah, are? I love boxing. Yeah, I've been a fan since I was a, a little kid, really. Right. Yeah. So who's your favorite boxer? Who is it? There's been a load through history. In recent years, I absolutely love Manny Pacquiao. I was a big Manny Pacquiao. Yeah, fan. why is that? Um, just, I, just, I, I suppose with, with Manny, it was the whole story story of his like humble beginnings and how he came off the streets and fought, made his way to America yes. and you know walked into the wild card and you know was managed to create history. Right. I also love I also love his style of fighting. You know that sort of southpaw style of fighting and how he used to throw his um you know left hands yeah. and stuff it was sure. very destructive brilliant phenomenal fight it's, uh, i mean obviously he's a great guy to, to 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 look up to or or root for i mean um in heavyweight division that, that's where you know yeah some real um i guess heavyweights come from your neck of the woods as well i mean are you a lennox lewis fan or lennox was one of the br- brilliant fighters of the of the you know the modern age relatively right. modern age you know i think lennox was one as well that when people look back on him they hold him in very sort of high esteem right 
And we've, you know, we, we were talking before you sat down. We've had Tyson Fury here sitting in that chair. Yeah. As a matter of fact, it didn't used to be as wide as the chair that you are until, until he actually, Tyson sat in well, it. Well, he sat in it and his... The Gypsy King. Well, well i got to be <laughs> honest with you. He came here um, and we recorded it before he before we were on the air, right? He came here really early on a morning, Chris. I think so, yeah. Yeah, and so uh, I went in the back and he had an entourage of about a dozen people. And I couldn't understand a word they were saying. <laughs> I mean, seriously, it was like I, I needed subtitles like a Guy Ritchie movie, man. Like, well, it's like, that sort of, tra- it's, tr- it's not just an English accent or region, it's the traveler accent as well, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And then he would, he sat in the chair in like some pink short, hot, hot pink short shorts. Very short shorts. Right. They were, and, and, and his legs came all the way out to the middle of my right. desk. There it is. There he is, right there. Oh yeah, yeah. He's looking very tan there. <laughs> was that after the f- the first Wilder fight? It was. It was. It, it was, was the one after one here in Los Angeles, where I, where a lot of folks thought he got counted out. And oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That if you know that the ten count was really kind of eleven and a half seconds. Well, that happens a lot in boxing. That's common. You yeah. know, it is actually common for <laughs> counts to go to fourteen by the time people are upon fighters are up on their feet. Well, I dared to actually bring that up to him. Um, and he wasn't terribly happy with the question, Patty. You know, that, <laughs> maybe he got a couple of seconds. But he also spoke um, eloquently, moving, um, about his battle with mental health. Yeah. I mean, a significant amount that he just put out there for everyone to see. And I think that's part of his popularity is how... Yeah, he's been an inspiration. I mean, uh, I've, I've followed him since his first ever fight. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've never missed a fight. I've actually been on set before and had his fight on a television next yeah. to where I'm filming. Yeah. Um, because I, I don't want to miss him fighting. And he's been on quite a journey, Tyson. He, there was a there was a time where the British public weren't really, you know, uh, favourable towards him. And I think when he went over and beat Klitschko, that was a phenomenal feat at the time to go into Europe and, and yeah. win on points. Because even if he won the fight, you know, a lot of fighters were coming back at that time and not getting the decisions, even though they kind of, Sometimes they clearly won it, mm-hmm. won the fight. So I thought it was a fantastic victory. He never quite came home to the hero's welcome that I think he deserved for that. And then he had a massive episode that's well documented with his you know, mental illness yes. and putting on the weight. And I think the whole comeback story is such an incredible story. And it was just cemented by that 12th round against Deontay Wilder. Um, who I think only wanted to fight Tyson because Tyson didn't look particularly great when he'd fought in Belfast previously. And um, that that 12 rounds and that moment where he got up on the canvas is such a historic moment, an inspirational moment. And I think that was a springboard for him. Mm-hmm. And I think it made both fighters' names in, in, in America because Deontay wasn't even a massive name here. If I'm not mistaken, that happened just down the road, right? That yeah, happened T- here in TJ and I were in the 12th row. Yeah, you were we there. Were there. Yeah, that happened right here in L.A. Yeah. I mean, it can be frustrating being a boxing fan at times because you want the big fights, you want them to be made. Yeah. And we've just seen the Fury-Usyk fight fall through back home. But apparently there's some big tournament happening in the in the winter that we're hearing whispers of that are involving right. like the top four heavyweights in the world. So right. it might happen in the Middle East. So hopefully... Have you hopped into the UFC world or not? Not really. You're just more no, of a traditional I, boxing. Yeah, traditional I've never. It, this sounds really weird, but I, I don't like fighting. I, I, I don't. If someone's fighting in the street, I don't take great pleasure in watching anything. <laughs> I, I don't. This, this seems like a contradiction, but I don't love violence well, in that I, way. And boxing to me is, is is just a little bit different. You know, it's it's got it. Yeah. It goes back in history. It's an at its best. It's a great fight fighting art form, as is a lot of the jujitsu things. But it's just never caught on for me. But I love watching documentaries about the UFC fighters, like the Gracies and things like that. Mm-hmm. I can watch that stuff all day long because I find the, the artistic side of it fascinating. And the stories and yeah, things like that. Yeah, sure. amazing. But I just don't really follow UFC. So it's it's amazing, uh, again, a testament to your wonderful acting, that uh, King Viserys doesn't like violence. That's really, that's really strange <laughs> since so much has happened in front of you. Yes. I yeah. can't unsee some of the scenes that's uh, the, uh, that's happened in front of you. Do you have a favorite uh, House of the Dragon scene that you were in? I I think uh, you know because I don't I don't really like to watch m- my acting at all. But when when the eighth episode was on, uh, my wife and daughter were watching it in the next room, and they they got through the episode, and my wife came into me and she said, "You need to watch this." 
And I was sort of like, I, I can't, I can't because, you know, in my head I'm okay with it. I made it. I'm, I'm at peace with it. It's sure. fine. But if I see something I don't like, it's going to flip me out. And she goes, no, you really need to watch it. So which which scene did she pull you into? Well, see? she kind of showed me pretty much all of the the stuff in episode eight, the the walk to the throne. Mm-hmm. Um, when you could barely make when it. When I could barely make it. Um, and there was a scene afterwards where I do a speech to my family. At dinner. At dinner, yeah. Oh, what a scene yeah. that is. And man. then the final scene where I passed, you know, and which was quite shocking because unintentionally, but it just seems to happen. You know, I don't want to bring the tone down, but my father died of cancer. And we watched him die, you know, at home over a period of, of weeks. And I looked like the image of him. It was frightening. No kidding. It was it was just, and that was a bit too overwhelming to, to see, you know. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's a funny one with me acting. There's so many times I've wanted to, to quit because I don't think I'm, uh, I never thought I was particularly good at it. And, um but there was something about this. The timing felt right with House of the Dragon. Um, I never had an education in acting ever. Um, and somehow I've got this sort of career. But I did theatre a few years before. We did a show on Broadway called The Ferryman. And mm-hmm. I feel like that was my acting school. Like something changed during that period of time. And I feel like when I watched that episode in particular, mm-hmm. um, I felt like everything came together. And I, and I could just, I felt for the first time in life, just a little bit of satisfaction where I went, no, you, you, you did a good job, man. You, you did. You, I can tell you, you that. Right. I can tell you that to your face <laughs> a million percent. I mean, that, that dinner scene, the yeah. speech, and again, I don't want to give too much away because people should be able to catch up to this and binge watch it or what have you Yeah. Uh, on Max, available right here on Roku, I should say. And so... That that was a remarkable scene where it, it looked like everyone was going to get along, then not so much. Yeah. And then you said everything came together, but then everything falls apart, and then the whole show starts twisting in a whole different direction. Yeah. And um, you were awesome in it. You should not think another second about it. No, no. Well, thank you very You're much. Very I appreciate it. But like, yeah, I, I just felt like another. I just felt like I'd gone up a little level. Yeah, you know what and I mean. Of course, and so your <laughs> wife and your daughter are watching in another room. They're like, "Come on in here. Come on, you got to see this." Scene. Yeah, yeah. They wow. forced me. How old's your daughter? I'm um, Frano, seventeen. Okay. Yeah. All right. So that's age appropriate for House of the Dragon. Yeah. yeah my nine year old. I'm not calling her in. They watch all kinds. That ain't happening. Uh, before <laughs> I let you go, um, speaking of tremendous scenes, uh, the scene in the Bourne Ultimatum in uh, what the Waterloo Waterloo train station. station. Yeah. 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 Where where um, you are trying well. Jason Bourne is talking you through trying to get you out of the Waterloo Station. The CIA is trying to capture you. He's trying to get you through and out. Unbelievable scene. How long did that take you to shoot that, Patty? Well, the, 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 that scene was shot in about, um, I don't know, I want to say just a few days, but we went back. I think I was shot in about five different locations around that station. Yes. But the interesting story about it was that, you know, Matt's one of those guys um, who really is a, is a really very down to earth man. You probably had him on here. Yes, you know, yeah, he's we have. Great. He's a great. He's guy. good people. Yes. And we used to walk to set every day up to Waterloo, and we shot that amongst real commuters. So people were getting off trains, and literally we were in that station, and Jason Bourne was walking around. You know, the earpiece, the jacket, everything, yeah. and it was such a joy. We had a window of like 10 minutes before the public started to realize that that was Matt Damon. <laughs> and, it, and the real joy was like, because I could see it all happening, was watching people's faces just getting off the train, going to work. And then the odd person would look up and go, like, they'd flip out and go, did I just see right? So it wasn't just Matt Damon. It was Jason Bourne yeah. in the station. I, I know, right? So we'd, we'd have this little 10-minute window, and then we'd have to get out of there because, you know, it's Matt and everybody would start to recognize him. So uh, there was a 10-minute window in which people were still stuck in their commuting yeah. tunnel vision, yeah. thinking of their day or what a bad day they had yeah. just had or a good day. That's it. And then they'd spot Matt and see the cameras, and then that was it. A little circus would, would you know, start to form, and then it would get out of the way. Well... That's how we had to go about it. But I was being shot mm-hmm. and collapsing in front of real yeah. commuters. 
So I'd literally be walking through people and then they go, now, and I'd go, you know, and fall down on the floor. Yeah. Um, so commuters would start looking around and go, what's happened to this guy? Yeah. And one woman walked past on one of the takes, mm. screamed, got down on the floor, turned me over and started performing like CPR <laughs> on me. <laughs> Oh my and tried to revive me because, and she was taking my pulse and doing all these. Ch- and I was just like, "Go, I don't, I don't tell her, I don't tell her, I don't." <laughs> and I just lay there and pretended and went along with it until oh. until one of the ads came along. And went, excuse me, madam, we're we're actually shooting a film. And I just couldn't do it, so I just <laughs> lay there until she'd gone away. That but, gives you faith in humanity, though. A little oh, bit, that's huh? what we all felt. Right. Everyone was really quite touched by it. One person. <laughs> <laughs> That's the ultimatum, I guess, right there. <laughs> wow, that's so cool. Yeah, Matt is good people. So you would just like walk with him to set. Yeah. And that's, I guess you already asked my follow-up question. It looked like those those weren't extras. Those were like genuine. Yeah, they, 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 going- we dressed some, well, I didn't, but the, you know, they, they dressed some sure. in Paul Greengrass. They dressed some people in who were with us and then the rest were just all commuters. Oh, yeah. It's a, that's a, I mean, that scene, you were literally on the edge of your seat. And then of yeah. course he starts kicking ass and. That was the thing with that. I'm watching him kick ass, and you just stood there like, and go, I'm going to kick some ass. <laughs> <laughs> Patty, uh, thanks for coming here. Everybody, check out the first season of House of the Dragon, available to stream on Max, which is available right here on Roku. Season two of the show, currently in production. Great to have you here, sir. Thanks for having me. You it's got been it. Great. Uh, same here. Come back anytime. Patty Considine here on The Rich Eisen Show. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. We're back here on the Rich Eisen Show in the studio. That was fun with Patty Considine. I love the the Bourne movies. They never get old. Brian Cox. Yeah. Brian Cox, you forget that he's in it. Mm Mm-hmm. Logan, way before he was Logan Roy. Way, way, way before. Truly. Redstone. They were all great. All of them. Yeah. When was the last time you saw the first Mission Impossible with Tom Cruise? The first one? Yes. Not that long ago, probably a few months. Is that right? Yeah. I saw it just a few months ago, it's too. So it's so great. great. It's, great. it's still so I'm awesome. I'm thinking of showing it to the kids, actually. You know, it's not that bad. I it's think confusing, though. It's a little confusing because yeah. there's the knock list and the fake knock list and then the, the backstabbing. Right. And the drop is the first one, right? Yeah, yes. that's the that's first it. one. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah, that's with the heat yeah. sensor yeah, and his, and his, and his dripping. Yeah, right. And sweat. Yep. French you guy. know, and the noise. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I remember when that first came out, it was like, it was an eye opener. But Matt Damon is as in the Bourne movies. The first Jason Bourne movie is just. But the other ones are are just as good. Yep. Right? There was the one where they tried to make Renner Bourne, and then that didn't work, and then they brought Matt Damon back for the fourth one. I'm talking about Damon. Yeah. The Damon ones. Jeremy Renner's great in his own right and everything Mm -hmm. that he does. It just didn't work as that. Well, I mean, it's Matt Damon. Right. I mean, now Renner got into the Mission Impossible lanes. Well, Renner also got into the Marvel and Universe the Marvel lane, too. too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It worked out for Renner. Yeah. Big, he's in the 49er lane, too. Do you see any time, every now and then, he'll, he'll, uh, Renner will retweet or like one of our 49er videos? Like every other nutty person in 49er Nation? I'm glad that Renner's still with us, man, after what Yeah, I know. Exactly yeah. right. Exactly right. All right, we're back here on the Rich Eisen Show on the Roku channel. 
back here on the Rich Eisen Show radio network with our Roku channel stream sitting at the Rich Eisen Show desk furnished by Granger with supplies and solutions for every industry. Granger is the right product for you. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Uh, Nish in New York, you're here on the Rich Eisen Show. How are you doing, Nish? Hey, Rich, how, uh, how are you guys doing today? How are you? What's going on? So I've got... I've got one what's least likely to TJ and Brockman. And then, Rich, okay. I've got a Michigan Jets dilemma question uh, okay. for you. Okay. Run um, through it. But just wanted to start off by saying, you know, you guys kind of are who I spend my afternoons with every single day. And so, Great. you know, Thanks, love, love what you guys do and, and, and appreciate you having me on. Appreciate um, you being on. Thanks, man. So as a big Jets fan, what's least likely – TJ or Brockman showing up to work the day after Aaron um, does his thing and and uh, beats the Cowboys and and Patriots respectively. Okay. Or. I well, think, who's least likely to show up to work? Oh, who's least? They'll, they'll both show up oh, to yeah, work. Oh, yeah, because they, they have no. First of all, they're professionals. <laughs> Secondly, they have no shame. So, what's your other question? Yeah, I showed up after Game Seven. Um, because if if we lose, so, there was a reason. There was on the the refs understood. or something. Yeah, but, you know, so exactly. Yeah. Mac Jones got hurt. Yeah, I mean, come on. Yeah, got that. So the second question <laughs> is: um, loved your your interview with Reggie yesterday, Rich, and and as a as a big Yankee fan. Um, Love how you bought some stewisms in there, and, and as a Carolina guy, uh, one of the most I think memorable and and awesome experiences of my life was was seeing Stuart Scott host Late Night with Roy uh, back in back in 2010. And my sister went to Michigan, and I promised her that I would take her to the to the big game after Thanksgiving in Ann Arbor this year. Okay. But then the NFL decides to put the first ever Black Friday game on on that Friday at the Meadowlands, and I guess question two is, what game should I go to? Well, here's the thing. Um, here, here's the thing, uh, Nish. There are direct flights from New York, New Jersey to Detroit, so you, there's no excuse. Go to both. Go to both. I mean, go to both. You go to, to if you're living in New York. To, you're calling from New York. You live in New York. Kick off three thirty, right there on Black Friday. Uh, let's see if there's a uh, is there a ten o'clock flight out of Newark to Detroit, Chris? You want to try and check it out for him? Do we do you, do you need us to be uh, a a travel agent Are for you? Travel. Um, six six a.m. flight, <laughs> seven a.m. flight next day. Uh, get some rest, plus. you know. Get some rest. Don't 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 party too hard after the Jets win on that Black Friday uh, against the Dolphins. Wake up next day. Go to both. Done. End of story. Well, and you're welcome. Are you going to be there? No. <laughs> Thank you for the call, though, Nish. Uh, well, I do, Rich. I do have a bone to pick with you. Oh my gosh! Uh, I uh, I DM'd you on New Year's Eve flights. in Scottsdale, and uh, never got a response back when I was took my sister out to the. Uh, we don't have to talk about the outcome of the game, but no, I'm but, sorry, uh, Nish. I didn't. You know, <laughs> thank, thanks for the call, pal. Appreciate it. Be well. I didn't check my DMs. Lots of nonstop flights. There you go. JetBlue, yeah, United, Delta. Yeah, like, come on. Gotta focus. Newark to Detroit. Gotta focus. Let's go. By the way, I, I thought Nish in New York there, but way back in the day, uh, there was a, a a bouncer, a guy who worked the door named Nish in New York. A couple of establishments. Was I thought that, that was him. Was that the during was your, hey, it's Stu and the white guy. That's day. it. Yeah. Those were the days. Yeah. Nish in the days. Speaking of the days, 20th anniversary today. I saw that. Congratulations. Congratulations. Susie and I, 20 years ago tonight, married. Yes. Married in uh, New York City 20 years ago. And uh, we are. um, What are we doing tonight? What are we doing tonight? Getting ready for a vacation. (laughs) Getting ready. (laughs) Got three kids. I think one of them's got another party. I mean, these end of the year parties. Oh, God. Dude. But anyway, love love you, Suze. (laughs) Put out an Instagram post today that speaks from my heart. As well as here uh, on uh, on the show. There you go. I know. What are you getting me? What am I getting you? <laughs> yeah. For what? Us. Who? Twenty years. Who? We live. By the way, the twenty years are in Los Angeles, California. Do you understand what this means? I don't. Twenty years in Los Angeles, California. That's like eighty years. Yeah. It's like dog years. Of, yeah. You know. It's like dog years. Yeah. What are you getting me? What do you mean getting you? What are we getting you? What are you, what are you getting nothing? me? What do you mean? 
What's my, my 14th LA anniversary is coming up. Oh, isn't that lovely? Yeah, you and yeah, you in Los Angeles still together after exactly. all these years. It's the same. It's the same. Mm-hmm. All those little <laughs> cities you gave birth to that you're still, you yeah, know, exactly. that sucked the life out of you. What is 20? What is the gift? 20's got it. It's got to be. I think the, silver. the gift it's is gotta be something. Hopefully, right, it's a, hopefully it's a wood anniversary. Fine china or porcelain. There you go. Oh, very good. Put that in our new home. There you go. Very good. Lots going on in my world. I'm well, a 53 year old man. Old, your old home that looks a little different. Very good. Oh, like oh. like in L.A., your home got a facelift. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> We're here all week trying to do. Your home got some nip and tuck. That's very good. <laughs> very good. <laughs> Lots of questions for you to ask Susie when she's in this chair next time for our 20 years ago tonight. Central Park Boathouse. The party was Dan Patrick got behind the bar. Dan Patrick got behind the bar while we were yeah, taking photographs with the family members. Most famous person at your wedding was. Oh yeah. Like Irvin. Yeah. Well, he 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 just went to the reception, not okay. the party. Okay. So he was a last minute there. invite, right? Was from Susie. From Susie yeah. again. Everybody I know that's worth a damn, I met through her. <laughs> Probably including you. Definitely me. Terry Crews coming up in hour three. I met on my own. Uh, Dan Patrick got behind the bar yeah, while God. we were taking family photos. Chris Fowler said uh, he Dan thought that the drinks weren't coming fast enough. I've partaken with Dan. He's probably a really good bartender. Yes. Yeah. Dan so if you know Dan, then he probably yeah. left early without telling anybody goodbye. That's what he does. Dan Irish, but his Mike. wife Sue was there. Dan likes to drink. Uh, the ESPN table: uh, uh, Susie Culver, Linda Cohn, Mike Tarico, Chris Fowler, Stuart Scott. Oh. Uh, Dan, Peter Gammons. Hey, really? Susie, Peter, Susie knew Gammo, from Boston. Nice. Yeah, was Peter Gammons there. there. Huh? Was Stevie B there at that point? Uh, he, he, he and uh, his lovely wife, Carol, were about just to uh, have twins, so they Oof. could not travel. Uh, but Steve did birth uh, uh, me a new contract with NFL Network right around that time, which led to a couple of seats being empty from ESPN executives. Uh-oh. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> So Brockman, myself, and TJ could have possibly come to the... And then just to say this, uh, put it up. Thank you, Mike Hoskins. There's Stuart Scott at my wedding 20 years ago tonight. (laughs) He looks at me and because he knew that Susie and I were just friends for a while and I wanted to be more than that for three years and he kept on pushing Susie and I together um, and saying to me, hang in there and Sue to Susie, hey, Susie, maybe you should, you know, give this guy a shot. So there he is on that photograph. You wouldn't mind putting up one more time there. He's looking at me, smiling at me, saying, you know, congratulations. And then that look is also, we did it. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's what's right. We did it. <laughs>